Hey everybody, welcome to The Block. It's Chris Wong, and I was joined today on this very topical episode of Block Party Podcast, where we discuss about Evo in specific, but the esports community as a whole, the economic value, and the impact that is actually growing across the years. Uh, me and Z really just, you know, talk a lot of trash, talk a lot of insight, and really talk about the nitty gritty about what's actually changed for esports as a whole, Evo as a small portion of a larger monumental and very impactful community of people now joining esports and i hope you actually enjoy our very in-depth conversation so as again thank you for joining us and welcome to the block block party is a tech culture podcast We do tech for the people. We cover topics ranging from cryptocurrencies, blockchain, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and more. Our guests include entrepreneurs, creatives, and influencers. Block Party takes a unique view of tech through the lens of the people living it. Block Party is tech culture. All right, Chris, you ready? You ready? Yo, we'll fucking be starting regardless. All right, I'm starting regardless. <clears throat> First esports podcast, technically our second esports podcast because yeah, we already did one second. with Saeed. Saeed yeah. Kalenovic, big shout out. Hey everybody, welcome to the block. It's it's me, Chris Wong. I'm joined here with Zillard Gabor like usual. It's him, Zillard, and uh, we're here talking this weekend. Uh, it's pronounced Silar. Yeah, I'm... I, all right. You can so, also call him Fuckboy. But. You can also call me Z. You can call me by my uh, handle, Z Trapamoto. Chris Wong. It's me, Chris Wong. You already know. And me, we're, we're joined here today on a beautiful August Sunday because, and not to date it or nothing like that, but we've been gone for a minute, but we've had, we got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but I really wanted to address a particular fond favorite topic of mine since we don't have a guest today, and I feel like talking about something that actually really interests me. And one of those things is that this weekend, uh, Evolution 2019 is actually being hosted uh, in the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it's super cool because uh, compared to a lot of esports tournaments, a lot of the big names are always brought up. Fortnite, Halo, Call of Duty, uh, PUBG, the Dota International, which is going to be happening later uh, this month and concluding in September, I believe, uh, which by far has the largest prize pool of any esports tournament wait, so far. Wait, hold up. So <clears throat> we're, <laughs> we're talking about esports, and specifically we're talking about Evo 2019. Today is, today is August 8th, the finals. And what you're saying is you, Chris Wong, are particularly interested in this tournament because it's not a, it's not a team sport. Well, I mean, I'm down with team sports. Let's not get it twisted. But, yeah. like, I like the narrative of one person fighting another person. I, I really do enjoy that narrative because Evolution started as the battle in the Bay back in the 90s and slowly but surely expanded into what is known as Evolution, so, the Evolution Championship So, for series. the audience that doesn't know, they're listening to this esports podcast, and a lot of people probably do if they're looking for esports podcasts or a podcast about esports. But what is the, the battle in the Bay? So the battle in the, well not that's that's ancient history. That's the battle in the bay was a tournament that was held in. Uh, and, and you gotta you gotta enlighten me as much as you enlighten the audience because I'm interested in esports 
as a growing industry, as a business, as a vehicle for, you know, future investments, all this other stuff, you know, that's going on on the sidelines and, you know, how, how big players in the industry are looking at it. But you actually know about the culture. Yeah. You see I mean, what I'm saying? That's, you, where you're, that's where you're from. You can't build no economy without no culture. That's the, the that, simple That is truth. true. That's very true. That's a very, that's a very strong fact. You can't sell nothing. You can't make no money move if there's no money right. to move. Right. And you got to always understand where we're going in anything from where you came from. Okay. And particularly speaking, like every, every video game culture is divided in multiple subsections. You can't say that the fighting game community is similar to the Fortnite community. They just operate differently. Right. And I have a particular fondness for fighting games because I do enjoy the the competitive nature of one versus one combat. I like it in real life. So it's different tribes basically. You of got course. you you got different video game tribes essentially. And as you know, they're they're like cousins. All all gamers are cousins essentially, but it's like, hey, you play that thing, I play my thing. You know what I mean? We're yeah. we're we're a fighting game tribe. You you guys are a team shooting tribe. Absolutely, absolutely. And when it comes particularly to the subject that I'm referencing today, because as we speak right now, I'm actually watching the finals for Street Fighter V in front of me while I'm also holding this conversation. So I apologize to all our viewers if my uh, thought is a little split. So what day is it today on Evo? Uh, we're in grand finals, right? Or not grand finals, but we're in championship finals day where the top four games that are being played right now, uh, we just concluded the Blaze Blue cross tag battle uh, championship. And what's, uh, right. what's Blaze Blue? Blaze Blue is a anime game created by Arc System Works. It's much more anime focused compared to like something like Tekken, which okay. is a, a completely different niche and artistic genre that is there. But it, it, every single is it still scrap scrap? It's always scrap. That's the okay. one thing that all these games share. Because when you, you say know, stuff like Tekken and Street Fighter, I know what you're talking about. Mortal Kombat. I play those games. Like I'm a I'm a gamer. You know what I mean? Like I. I I mean, I don't. I doubt there's a very, there's a very small subset demographic of people oh, our age. Oh snap! Wait, 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 wait! wait. Pause, pause, video games. pause. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not even to date, but if anybody wants to know how big this thing is right now, Xavier Woods, I believe, is on stage. I think this is Xavier Woods. I'm pretty sure this is Xavier Woods from WWE. The okay. wrestler from from Xavier Woods is actually emceeing for this tournament, and it really just goes to show the like zeitgeist that fighting games is actually taking place now like it's a very popular thing that has crossed over into the mainstream i really do have to appreciate this and it actually goes back to that whole fragmented segments thing about what like what is fighting for esports it's 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 very very large it's it's a very large and diverse subsection not all the communities actually agree with each other but at the end of the day everybody could come together and actually see what's uh, the co common collective ground, which is the love for combat, the love for one versus one combat. For example, um, not to even uh, split too far, but the finals later on today for the largest tournament that's happening is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And everybody knows what Smash Bros. is. If you right. don't know what Smash Bros. is, I, I apologize for the lack of a childhood you had. Word. But like, it's, it's the Nintendo fighting game property that is now the technically largest fighting game on the planet but not everybody would say street fighter is like smash bros you know it's not even though ryu is in smash brothers it's not it's not the same game and every game appeals to a certain audience 
And certain games have higher stakes than other games, and I find that very interesting in terms of the interpolitical nature. And of when the you when games. you say higher when you say higher stakes, is it just more more beef is cooking, or or the money is higher? Both, the, both. The of course, it's always readier. both. When money is always involved, the beef is always harder. And hey. and you also got to understand, it's like Wimbledon. Like there's a certain level of prestige with something like Street Fighter. It's the oldest one. It's the most. It's the pillar of the community. But even right now, you have to see. You have to admit, something like Smash Brothers has a larger following than something like Street Fighter, because right. Smash Brothers appeals to a younger audience. Right. Children can play it. Adults can play it. It's easy to learn, hard to master. I would say everyone grew up playing Smash Bros. At least you know, at least one semester in their college career versus something like Street Fighter or Tekken. So I would just want to go back to what you're saying. Some things you mentioned, what games there are being played, as well as how big Evo and esports in general has gotten. Now, you're saying that right now, one of the Peter Wards is, you know, commentating for Evo. It's a wrestler. Well, it's a wrestler, Xavier, right? Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods. He's right bad, now Peter. dapping up Yoshinori Ono, who's on stage right now about to do a live reveal of something. Which I'm not exactly sure. There's a scroll in his hand. So Evo is a huge deal, right? You have announcements, you have uh, celebrities, you have athletes. What, I, and, and, and it sounds like multiple games are being played. So it's the third day. It's finals. How long is Evo? So a few questions just to get out the way. How many, people, yeah, how many people are attending this event? Uh, so according to Wikipedia, it's over 10,000. I'm inclined to believe it's between 10 and 15,000, more closer to 15. Okay, but it's a hell of a lot of people. Where's this? Where's this being played, man? This, this is, is being a- played at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Nevada, and that is actually pretty impressive because uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Mandalay Bay that's actually really just. I see, they've been really focusing on using esports as a venue for making money because, like, in the future, you'll be able to bet on your favorite teams. You'll, right. I mean, that happens right now in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in in Dota. We bet for our favorite teams who's going to win the international, and which is considerably the largest prize pool. I think it's at $30 million right now. You said $30 million? It might be 32 For I'm, Dota? For Dota. Jesus Christ. So that's not a fighting game, guys. No, it that, is not. Dota is a strategic team-based... It's a mobile... It's a, it's a massive online battle arena. That's okay. what MOBA stands for. I know. I know they have. I, I know they have the the official genres. It's MMO RPG. It's not a no. MMO, it's not it's an MMO. It's, it's an, a MOBA. It's a MOBA. That's it's what a it's MOBA, called. MOBA. Yeah. yeah my Multiplayer bad. online battle arena. Exactly. Exactly. So clearly, clearly, Chris um, is highly knowledgeable about this topic. You know, it, it did. Um, did the passion for esports or video games in general just stem from childhood, and then it, you know snowballed from there? Because look, man, I love video games, man. I I know you know like I I played Halo two and Halo three like borderline went pro but my parents were like what the fuck like you were not not, not even pro just joined an MLG team in Canada and my my folks were like you there's no way they would, I didn't even tell them they it would, literally they, came they, like they if would you told them yeah, they would yeah, beat your ass yeah they would have beat my ass they would have been like you are staying in school there's no chance you're fucking playing with sticks uh in in you know and with some fucking you know. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. If you told me, if you told me no, no, ten years I, ago, here's the thing: if I even told them this now, they would be like, "That's silly. There's no way that people make money playing video games." And how wrong they would be, right? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned there's fifteen ka people attending this event. Fifteen thousand, fifteen thousand live warm bodies up in Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay, and Mandalay is like, hey. 
this is a good look on us because they don't just host any fucking event, right? No, not at so, all, not at all. So they have a whole bunch of people at this event and they have celebrities, athletes endorsing the entire team. Well, here's know? the thing. That's crazy that you bring that up. Like sponsors are the big part of this economy. When you really think, of, I mean, sponsors have always been the biggest part of any economy for a tournament. So when you really think about like the level of economy, this has only been growing larger and larger and it's something that's super impressive because if you if you told anybody a part of this community uh maybe five years ago six years ago or something like that they would have told you you were crazy that that for this particular niche for the fighting game community i mean let's be real in europe counter-strike was always a big thing Uh, i believe we talked about with this I believe we talked about this particular topic with Saeed in our previous esports tournament uh, tournament uh, episode, and I really wanted to talk to him about that particular niche of the esports genre because it was something I didn't really know a lot about, and I still don't know enough about that particular subsection, but it is impossible to downplay the effect of what games like Counter-Strike have had on the European esports community. Uh, it's something that's so internationally embedded in that particular video game culture that has allowed it to reach um, more of a sports-like uh, quality to it. There are teams, there are sponsors involved, there, there, there are like endorsements, there's gear, there's merch, like any level of economy that's associated with something like the Yankees. There are hats, there, there's swag, there's merch, there's an economy that's being sold. Fighting games, despite being one of the oldest forms of combat between people in virtual, in right, virtual, right, it stems like from the real. arcade. It's it's old school. Like it's this, this has a deep, school. deeply entrenched history. Right, and, you went to when, you went to the arcade. You you scrapped one v one. Yeah, there was there were no teams. There were no like you know there there honestly there probably wasn't even servers or or graphical processing units capable of handling you know multiple teams fighting each other at once. It was just too much at that in the beginning. Yeah. right? one v one was the was the one was the wave and it's it's always and just really stems from that level of chess like you know fighting games in particular is chess yeah it's it's fluid motion chess and that's where you get the level of competitions there and you have to really admit that in historical terms the fighting game community for the most part died over the portion of a decade not until like if if we're gonna go just like a quick historical update for what has been occurring in the fighting game community. It was very large with the arcade scene, but as the arcade scene died in the late 90s, fighting games had nowhere to go, and a lot of it was reliant on Capcom's ability uh, to produce Street Fighter. Okay. They didn't, for 10 years, the last one that would come out would be Street Fighter Third Strike in 99, I believe. And for 10 years, they went quiet. People wanted a uh, Street Fighter game. People wanted... Uh, the core of the fighting game community to come back. And for a while, it, it's surprising here because if you note that in 2008, Street Fighter Four came out, but what happened in the dark ages of fighting games would be a lot of uh, Mortal Kombat, actually. Surprisingly, for right. NetherRealm, which is another large studio. They're the studio that... Uh, and, that w- and that was amazing for Mortal Kombat. It also brought a lot of negative press to fighting games in general because of Mortal Kombat's, you know... Graphic, uh, graphic nature substance yeah. yeah but here's here's the thing it, it did but at the same time it kept the community alive 
It kept uh, the, first off. It kept it almost fighting became games kind in the of West like, alive. Yeah, it fighting almost, games never died in the East. Fighting games never died in the East. There were always going to be new fighting games for a niche community. And so the scrap was always on in the East. Yes. Okay. The scrap was always on in the East. It wasn't me until Street Fighter Four when better online servers were introduced towards console players that we would actually see a resurgence, a renaissance in the fighting game community. And post-2008 is what we would consider the modern wave of... Well, post-2008 to around 2012, 2013, and the reason why I say this is because around 2012 and 2013, we really start seeing money being pushed into this community. And we're talking support from developers. We're seeing uh, support from community in a much larger way prior to the ascent of social media. And... Most importantly, and this is the one I think is the most important economic point of this, is that it really formalized, and it's controversial to say this because people don't like the esports monkier when it comes to uh, the fighting game. Is that, game is that how you pronounce that word? Is it moniker or monkey? Mon moniker. I'm pretty sure it's moniker. Okay. I, I, never, I apologize I, for. Because I, mis I mispronounce words all the time. I know what they mean and shit. I just, and no one ever uses it in casual conversation. So. Yeah, fuck yeah. it. We're all human, right? Yeah, but um, uh, returning to the point is that uh, the FGC specifically for this conversation. What is the F even, what is the FGC? The fighting game community. Okay. Uh, they do not associate with the esports uh designation because esports has a kind of negative connotation for the fighting game community. Okay, esports as an industry, yes. as a market. Esports as an industry because. Remember how I said the it was... The fighting game community's like, nah, fuck that. Fuck yes, that moniker. Because if, if you... If we return back to a point we made earlier, the fighting game community was created in these arcades. It was created in these very close-knit communities. Whereas esports is something that's very largely shared and like uh, widely adopted, which, has create, which creates a weird mechanical... Uh, disparity because when you have these closer niche communities, you have a higher level of competition, right? Okay. Like, like in terms of like, in terms of, if you make a hard game to learn, right? A hard mm -hmm. game, like, let's uh, perfect it's, example. It's hard to pick up. It's it's, it's not like something you could up. come it's, in and button mash, or even you can, but you you won't become good at it. I want the allegory I'd like to use is chess, the chess community. Okay. Chess is played all over the world, right? It's right. played by anybody can learn chess, right? You take, but like at the highest of levels, the grandmasters, that community right. is very small yeah. because they've, they, they're basically playing in their mind at that point. Right. They, they know the highest level. Well, at, at a chess. certain, I heard at a certain level of chess, if one of the players makes a move and the other player makes a move and all the positions are set up, they already know exactly how the game is going to end one or minus one or two final moves. The last moves, and that, that's the culmination of the game. So they already know how the game plays out because they already know exactly how they will react all yes. the way up. They already know that this player knows those moves, I know these moves, and it would be just a, an oversight or literally just a mistake on their part if it didn't end like that. A break in strategy. Right. So when, you take, when, you, when I bring this back to the mechanical aspects of the fighting games, when you have massive adoption of something... The reason why massive adoption occurs is because of the easy-to-learn, hard-to-master element. Okay. A great game is always easy to learn, but is infinitely complex and deep, like chess. Okay. So the fighting game community, 
fighting games in general are a lot more reaction based and a lot more like in the moment. You don't stop when you play a fighting game. You don't stop to attack your opponent and then you stop and then the opponent attacks you. It's not fencing. Well, right. it is fencing. It's it's actually fencing. It happens in the moment, which makes it a lot like athletics. Athletics is moving chess. It's right. moving strategy. But the problem with that is that you have a disparity between this hardcore community that associates itself with the FGC. Mm-hmm. And then you have esports at large, which is games that are easy to learn but hard to master. Perfect example is Fortnite, the largest battle royale type game that is out there right now. Um, everybody loves everybody and their children loves playing that game. But ultimately speaking, you do not it's not it's not like a higher echelon game because the mechanics in itself are pretty easy to adopt. It really comes down to how how good are you at out strategizing your opponent. So you have this weird association around 2012-2013 with esports kind of like shoving out this older community that was brought up prior to the dark ages of the fighting game community that also with this new esports moniker brings in more money, brings in more eyes. It's economically more valuable for all parties involved. Like obviously, like you want more people playing your games, you want more people watching your games, you want your you want it streamed, you want it hashtagged, you want more adoption. Right. But then you have to ask the question. And this is a question really nobody knows how to answer yet. When you force out your core community, does the does the nature of your entire industry change, you know? Um a great example of this is Street Fighter V, which is actually coming up next on Evo. Um, a lot of people do not like how easy the game is or how how easily accessible it is, which is kind of killing its core marketplace. Now, I have no place to speak on this because I'm not like in the trenches of the Street Fighter V community, but from an outsider's observance, who's a lot more informed than your average person, you do see a dying tree, which is weird to say because Street Fighter is the core part of that community, which is regularly for the last five years had the largest prize pool of all these games. And now for something like Street Fighter, which is the grandfather of fighting games being pushed out by something like Smash Brothers, which is very easy to learn, very easy to adopt. Everybody and their kids play it. And to be fair, Smash Brothers is a very interesting, unique position because as I'm pretty sure you want to talk about later about like how the money actually starts getting. Well, injected. what I was going to actually ask you is: Is Evo facilitating this movement from the old school games getting pushed out? Because what initially the question I wanted to ask was: Isn't Evo known for fighting games? Yes. So Evo, known for fighting games, and how old is Evo? Would you know that off the top of your head? I'm pretty sure they switched. I mean, it used to be like I said before, called Battle by Battle. Battle by the Bay, and it was during the 90s, so I think like 97, 90s. And they rebranded to but Evo. But they rebranded to Evo along the way around like 2000, 2002. In the 90s. Yeah. So very old, at least 20, 20, 20 plus, years now, 20 yeah. plus, right? So you have this traditionally fighting game community tournament, mm-hmm. and now it's pushing out one of its incumbents, grandfathers, in favor of more simplistic and easy to adopt. And I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to, because I I don't know the mechanics behind it, I'm going to say more marketable games where they can bring in more eyeballs, revenue, and they can bring a younger audience who's more familiar. Now, is this a business strategy? 
probably yes definitely definitely Definitely. you know like this isn't you know and there's no reason or is there that both both games can't coincide in the tournament it's just that street fighter would take you know a step back on the pedestal well let me let me just clearly define the structure of evo like how it actually works all fighting games are played here okay yeah and that was the first question is like what games are actually played in this tournament it's street fighter blades even even all fighting games are played here all fighting now the sponsored tournaments the that's tournaments so that insane. make it that's so insane that that means there's so much scrap action happening at this tournament at this time like that doesn't this, happen it happens away from the streams it happens away from viewer eyes yeah a lot of these things happen so for example but, like wait 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 game. you said 15k people at this event roughly yes and now how many of these guys are actually non-spectators they're 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 in the trenches they're they're gamers getting washed or you know winning See, that's a hard thing to distinguish because at the end of the day, everybody who's in the audience who's not playing, by the time you see them, was participating in the tournament. Right. It's a large kumite. Well, well I would say, like, they, they don't release figures like, t- you know, ticket sales, um, gamers versus attendees or something like that. And, you know, I could just look that up. But, I mean, in your opinion, would you say that the biggest issue right now at Evo is how to scale or what's your... What? Well, okay. Well, if we're talking issues, it's... Because you're, you're mentioning a very like cultural... cultural there's a cultural There's problem. a cultural phenomenon. I would even call it an issue because in terms of, you know, a business, the, the guys funding this stuff, they're not going to be like, oh, this is an issue. How are we going to, you know, how are we going to cater to the older audience? They're just going to be like, this is silly. This is a business decision strictly. Yeah, yeah, so like, I would say... I would say for that, I, I don't feel I don't feel any type of way um, regarding you know Street Fighter or old school fighting game community players versus like the new school. It's just the way of the the way of the way. Yeah, you know? no, like exactly. It's, a, it's history. History is now affecting uh, Evo as a entity in the same way anything's been affected. The UFC, for example, like a okay. lot of the lot of old UFC fighters, uh, a lot of that competition was built around like less marketability but then you enter the conor mcgregor era and now it's all about marketability it's all about the spiciest call outs it's all about what's happening outside of the ring compared to what's happening inside of the ring and the ufc has to make certain decisions they have to make certain decisions about their champions they have to make certain decisions about their matchups because this is what's going to get the most amount of eyeballs on the property and evo is doing the same exact thing for example the world's largest moba larger than dota uh, League of Legends, they're making a fighting game. Uh, a while back, they bought out a fighting game developer. And so, League of Legends, Dota, I believe Hearthstone. Um, there's there's certain. There's Hearthstone a, is a card game. It's not a it's not a mobile, but it's still massively played. for these for Dota and League of Legends, would you say that these tournaments are, or are they held at the same you know tournament? Where where's the Dota tournament? Is it just a Dota tournament? It, no, well, no. Here's the thing. There's a circuit. There's a pro circuit that happens. And it culminates with what's considered the, in the same way Evo's the crown flagship of fighting games tournaments. Okay. The international is the largest tournament for the pro circuit of Dota. And which is considerably has the largest prize pool. As I mentioned before, it has $32 million on the line for the top team. Got it. And it's just called the Dota tournament? It's called the international. It's called the international. And what about League of Legends? What's that one called? Um, I actually don't know the name of that one to be honest. Yeah, I'm um, just grilling you with fucking esports questions, man. I I, I, no I don't know like, shit. Yeah, like it's it's to me and what you're getting right now for people at home is 
I basically am a little more informed. So I so I literally cannot. Uh, maybe I'm just my Google game is fucking trash, but I I can't find the ratio of gamers to attendance. You know, like I know it's roughly. But that's a really hard thing to to parse out because the as and this is by word of mouth. This is through articles and just like general digging. The number of people who just attend has grown larger and larger, but we don't really know like the number of just people who show up to watch. Because the thing is that if you go to Las Vegas, if you're flying out to Las Vegas, if you're flying out to be a part of this community for this weekend, excuse me, you most likely are participating because it's an open tournament. It's not like basketball or it's not like the UFC. I'm not allowed to go into the cage and scrap against uh, like Jeremy Stevens. Imagine double elimination. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yo, you, first, first you get bought. First you get bought by Conor McGregor, then you get bought by Khabib. <laughs> Yo, you get choked out, and then you get you get slap boxed. Yo, all right, so hold on. Now we go back to Evo, and we see this massive tournament that has evolved over these over years, and it, the the growth has been linear. Would you say, or has it recently started to reach this like parabolic knee in the curve, right? Uh, I would say, and it's, it's gone uh, parabolic. Uh, it's gonna about thing. to go parabolic soon. I don't think it's gonna go parabolic. Okay, Here's, why, why uh, do you say that? Because right now, and and I I mean, I have some info in front of me that, I, you know, I get excited about numbers and shit like this, but here's the thing. Are you talking about esports as a whole, or are we talking about Evo as a community? Oh, Fighting, see, that's, see, a, that's, that's a, a big deal. I'm talking different. about esports as a whole. Esports as a whole is going to be parabolic, but, like, you got to understand, like, fighting games is a niche game, you know? It's like, a, right. there's certain games that are just niche, you know? Would you when you, when you say fighting games or you make the distinction fighting games or something a casual gamer doesn't even make this distinction. He's like, yeah, I play 2K, I play Smash Bros, and I play um, Dota or you know Call of Duty. Some something where it's like a team game, a strategy game, a sports game, and then he has a fighting game, and he doesn't make the distinction. He's just like they're all cool video games and they're all popular in their own niche, right? Yeah. So. When, when, you know, you make these distinctions, do these distinctions actually matter in the realm of esports at large? No, but there's a caveat to that. Because the largest amount of, like, people make a distinction between sports. Okay. Baseball, NASCAR. People don't make, uh, like, you might say that people have their fighting game that they play. They have Call of Duty that they play. But... Street Fighter does not play like Call of Duty in the same way baseball does not play like NASCAR. All right, so that's a great analogy, and I'm glad you you, you use that analogy because, for instance, ba- look, lacrosse is physically exhaust like physically you have to be skilled, you have to be athletic as hell, you have to be you know fast, all the all the physical attributes of a skilled athlete, you know, of a top tier athlete, you have to have just as you have in baseball, for instance, right? But let's not let's be serious here. Baseball money and lacrosse money are two different things, right? You know, baseball is bring, generating hundreds of millions in revenue versus lacrosse, which is not. And I'm not knocking lacrosse. I think you know, obviously both both require athletic you know skill. But let's be serious here. So, are you saying that in the future there's going to be a certain niche of gaming that is going to bring the money? Or certain there is niches. Already, uh, oh, there is. Okay. Battle Royale, perfect example. 
So without 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 games like PUBG. Wait, but Dota Dota it brings the most money. It's not battle royale. Mm. Do team games no, no, no. bring Are more money? Do what fighting games the most money, or what is the biggest prize? Pool? Well, well, we don't have to. We could start with the most money, or what we could start with is just you know a, a rank like a tier. Like let's say if we had to rank it, do fighting games bring the most money? No, hell no. Okay, absolutely not. Okay, so what, what are but we? But they have a at? very. De- I like the fighting game community as a like an observation of esports because right. it's a small. It's not a. You're sm- partial. You're partial to the fighting game. I'm partial to fighting games, but more importantly, because it's very, very uh, an enduring community. It's an old community that's endured this long. It's not trying to get boxed in. It's not trying to get culturally appropriated by all these big esports leagues and shit. Even though it already is. Even though it has to be. Yeah. It has to. Be. But like the fact that it's endured. I mean, to bring it back to the UFC analogy, in the beginning when they first brought that stuff up, you know, like guys scrapping each other like savages, essentially, they were like. No, no one's gonna watch this. This is not happening. And I remember watching that documentary, the UFC. They were it's like, not, "It's not palatable." This is not pal- yeah, pal- palatable. No one wants to watch this gladiator violence. And now, as the industry grows, it just got bought by Fox Sports, I believe. No, uh, I mean it got bought by Zufa, but the rights to play on TV got bought by ESPN. Okay. It just transferred from Fox to. Uh, so, so they, so regardless of what whether what anyone wants, like you know, money talks, right? So. What which niche of gaming or which genre would you say is bringing in the most money today? Battle and Royale. Battle Royale, and that's PUBG. That's Fortnite. Mm-hmm. That's Call of Duty. Black Call of Duty Blackout. Um, would you say and would you say this is the genre du jour, or would you say that this thing will change inevitably? I mean, all right, let's take a look at what things have endured. So games like Counter Strike, five v five shooters, that has endured since the early two thousands. MOBAs, Dota, League of Legends have endured, and those are team games as well. Those are five v five, right? Five v fives, and they've, they've they've endured. The reason why these these uh what's it called these the reason why why uh, it's hard to say, and it's really hard for me to say because. Battle Royale is less of a game and more of a mode. You can implement it into any game where there's shooting, fighting. You can you can always do one versus a hundred. You know, Tetris right. has a one versus one hundred. I mean, deal. in in Halo, I think it was just called Rumble Pit. Yeah, that's it. It's King oh, of the Hill. Well, that's what it is. Except King of the on Hill. a larger scale. Right, with, right. With, it, with a lot different. Last like, man, it's a last man standing. There's really no. If you want to boil it down to its bare bones, it's last man standing. Who can survive? That's it. Yeah. That's really who if you survive, you're the best. So when you really when you really look at at This game like, type has been around forever though. No, it hasn't actually. Battle no no, I'm, I'm Battle Royale has always been around. It's never been, you name, know Name your name name the historical context for that because it hasn't actually been well, always around. F- from from playing uh, shooting games, I always n- knew that this game type, even as far back as Halo 2, this game was this game type was always available. And it was a little bit, stru- it was structured differently in the sense that you didn't have one life. What you had was the top player, and that was who had the most, who got to 25 first. But see, that's, that's, a, that's a multiplayer thing. That's a, that's a structure inside of a video game. Right, right. Where- so it was, that game type specifically was always there. It wasn't a 5v5 game. It was just a playlist type in one of these shooting games. Which is right? why I'm very skeptical about... Uh, I think the enduring nature of PUBG and Fortnite has always been I think I think it's it's been enduring because 
they're very good at creating palatable content. Fortnite specifically, it it's fun for kids to play. It's fun okay. for kids. And there's no other game types in Fortnite. I mean, they're fifty versus fifty, but like, it's still it's still last man standing. You know, it like the the concept is for it's Fortnite a team, team versus team. Yeah, you could do that, but it's still whoever's so 50, last standing. So fifty v fifty, but it's still last man standing. Yeah, got and it. It's it's the package. Well, of, what happens when the other team you know absolutely decimates the other team and there's the other team wins? Got it. I mean, the team that didn't get decimated wins. Got it. But uh, I thought they scrapped each other then. Yeah. I so mean, that'd be cool, but no. So, because I, I have, I actually have, um, you know, you said the the five v fives have always been there, and right now the blackout mode or the uh, last man standing battle, battle royale. royale is the it, the battle royale mode is the is the breadwinner right now mm-hmm. in esports. Yes. And how? Well, when well, you say when you one, when you yeah. say it's the biggest one, what what are we talking? Here? I'm talking in terms figures? of economic value to companies do we have specific numbers here i mean there are specific numbers i don't have them off the top of my head but like then we have to ask the question like really what's making the most money in video games right now are games as a service like live services rather than packages because the money making game that's always been the game that makes the most money the most economy are mmos mmorpgs have always made the most money right world of warcraft has made over ten billion dollars. Well, here's the like thing: that. that's that's a service you're paying for. I'm I'm talking about these tournaments. What, and and this is a hard question to answer because you're not you know like an esports economist, right? But what I'm asking here is what's what's driving this economic growth? You know, there there's one factor. There's there's the you know the battle royales, the tournaments. There's you know the services such as I would, so I would World play- of Warcraft MMORPGs have always made tons of money because you know you're allowed to essentially sell items and you No, it's a subscription man you have people paying 15 dollars a month every month just like, to pay for the service just right? pay for the service like okay so it's a, it's a software it's like, as a service or yeah. game as a service right and now you know that obviously if you have a million people boom right there that's 15 million, 15 million a month yeah, yeah. that's insane so you're good you're good at that point and and interestingly enough what i have in front of me is Goldman Sachs esports report right? It's an infographic, and I could send this to you, or if you're on, you know, Discord right now. But the thing is that the first title is esports joins the big leagues, right? And you know when Goldman Sachs is involved, they're Money they're talks. involved for yeah, they're involved for a reason. So they're saying that it's already larger than MLB, and that's Major League Baseball's top players. And a lot of these um, video game uh, gamers are joining the ranks of millionaires. And we, from from what I understand. The top player in the eSports, uh, I'm sorry, Fortnite's tournament just won $3 million to take home. I think his 3. name was 3.6. 3.6. And his name was Burga, right? Uh, I'm going to have to confirm Burga, that one. but Yeah, I think his name was Burga, and he was 16 years old. Made He's, more money than Federer at Wimbledon. He made more money than a professional tennis player in an established sport. That's been around for hundreds of years. But now, Not now hundreds, you have to. Now, yeah, but now we're talking hundreds. about we're talking about you're talking about prize payouts for tournaments. But like Federer is obviously making right off more endorsements. Money off but of now, endorsements. now let's talk about now let's talk about another endorsed player in the Fortnite community, and his name is Ninja. Right, everyone knows this guy. Actually, How much money is he making? What's crazy about that is Microsoft just bought the contract rights for him to stream. From Twitch over to their own personal uh, streaming service, which is called Mixer, for an undisclosed amount of money, but it's definitely over like a couple mil. Okay, so 
just looking at some numbers, man, because Ninja's making money. He's Federer's making money for sure. Yeah. But the future for sports versus esports, I saw some infographic once and it was an insane, like, it looked like all the sports and traditional sports, when I say sports, I mean traditional, have just been growing linearly or not at all. Like, football's been declining, right? American football. And esports has just been steadily increasing linearly year after year after year bringing in more and more money it's very hard it's easy to brush something off as haha that's not real sports but it's very hard to ignore big fat numbers in the in the realm of millions every year increasing right yeah it's very hard to ignore that it's very hard to call someone oh that's not a real uh athlete or He's an esport athlete, or you know, whatever. Oh, it's it, you know, only nerds play that shit, or uh, it's uh, it's just video games. It's not a big deal. But then when you see these numbers coming in, and you see these BuzzFeed articles, oh, Fortnite player plays, and these memes, haha, like damn, my parents, uh, I'm gonna tell my kids to to put down the books and hit the hit the sticks, you know, <laughs> like when you see stuff like that, there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a sliver cultural, of truth. There's a, yeah, there's a strong impact there. Yeah, there, no, because it's it's not it, it's not a it's not a joke. It's it, we're like, also like if we're taking numbers and the economic effect of that, if we're correlating the two, it's really easy to make the correlation between the amount of internet users that have been growing globally compared to the amount of people who are always going to be genetically privileged to play like physical sports. Yeah, I and always talk talking, about this. I always say this. This is this is a huge huge point, man. Because if you think about it, you have to be genetically gifted or just have or opportuni- opportunistically gifted, right? You have to be in a position yeah. where, to, you, where even if you are gifted in that realm uh, genetically, you still have to have the opportunities to take advantage of it. I'm sure there's tons of amazing athletes or would-be athletes had they been given the opportunities that someone who's not as talented were given right yeah you for instance f1 we i know you spoke about f1 formula one right you have to come from a certain background to be able to drive hypercars just you know and get and get nice at driving this is not the like cost the cost benefit like yeah. the cost to even participate at any level of f1 is so right. astronomically crazy that i'm i'm sure that i'm sure that there are some like you know rags to riches stories in formula one possibly but the majority of them probably aren't coming from poor families. No. Right? Schumacher it's not like, hey, dad, dad, can I take yeah. the horse out from the stable? And he's like, son, if you mean the McLaren, yes, you can. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's not... A, so anyway, back to esports, man. The monthly audience size versus today and where it's headed. What you're saying is that more and more people are actually able to access video games as a platform where they can succeed, where they don't need these genetic or, you know, like socioeconomic opportunities no they don't need, need it is, me and you could well, pick up a stick get nice and we can be ranked in 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 you know celebrity category well, video game let's, video let's, game fa- let's fame. dissect that a little more because we're talking about positional opportunistic uh abilities uh a lot of the world has actually been increasing in its ability to connect to global competition to be able to communicate with people who are of their skill rank of uh structural uh, organization for competition, but there's still a large amount of people globally who do not have internet connections. Uh, for the most part, LAN, LAN has always been the way of combat and of communication, excuse me, between, between like competitive video gaming. Uh, for example, 
if you really look at it, Brazil is becoming a very large part of the global esports community because of their ability to access uh, international competition before internet really like high speed internet had hit. Uh, we weren't really seeing this growth in competition of esports in both competition of people participating and people watching. And that's one of the great benefits that uh, certain games have over others compared, let's say, esports compared to F1. F1 is a prestigious community of athletes who participate in a very high economic cost sport. Whereas I'm not going to be able to just say, Oh, yo, I just saw Federer, uh, not Federer, I just saw Schumacher just drive down uh, down this one course. You know what, Z, you and me, let's go pick up our hyper cars and hop in our cars and just, you know, try that shit that we saw. You, but you know what I think, Chris? I think I'm going to book, you know, a ticket one way to Monaco and just learn how to drive on the streets. You know, I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's a good idea. I think yeah. it's a good use of my time. I Absolutely. think I might make it. Absolutely. While you're doing that, I'm going to actually see these guys who are fighting right now in, in winter semifinals. I see them doing the techniques. I see that they have the same exact equipment that I have access to. The only thing is there's a low barrier to entry, which makes esports so powerful of an economic uh, forefront for the new era of sports. There's a, low, there's a relatively low barrier to entry. All you need is a console, a game, and a controller all the same access that you have compared to a top level player like somebody like Bonchan or Edom there there's they have I have the same access as they do they just use more of their time and now that's what's really here time has always been the large cost of any sport so here's the here's the here's the kicker man Esports monthly audience size today versus where it's headed. And by audience size, I'm not sure what that means. It doesn't mean spectators, like guys, you know, watching streamers on Twitch. But for, does it mean for the gamers? Of this conversation, just whatever, a whole yeah. a whole medley of people, right? 2018, 167 million audience size. By 2022, that's four years from well, it's actually 2019. So this is this is a bit old, but I guess they released this last year, 2018 Global Esports Market Report. So by 2022, that number would be 276 million now that's a 60 percent growth in mar in audience size that's insane over four years yeah so we're looking at you know a huge growing number of audience we're also looking at you know people potentially looking at this as j just like kids from you know impoverished neighborhoods used to look at sports like yo if i become a baller i can you know take care of my family i can take care of myself sports is my way out that's the only thing i got here you know now there's kids in third world countries looking at esports like, hey, I got the time. I got the internet connection. This game cost X amount. I could get nice at this game and I can take this to a competitive level where I can take care of myself and my family. And you're saying all they need is an internet connection. So now here's the real question. And this is a question for you uh, since you've been fielding a lot of questions my way. Um, so now we, we know that the barrier of entry really is becoming uh, a lot more... Um, so here's the thing. I brought this up before about like just the barrier of entry and the rising audience that's actually been kind of growing alongside internet connections and internet users uh, over every year. So the way we really see the landscape right now, uh, for generally the most part, first world countries or Western countries, 
have been the predominant positions in most uh, esports uh, fighting games. Well, not fighting games. Fighting games is actually kind of unique in that. But you see, you see a lot of top players in MOBAs coming from first world countries or European countries. You right. see, you see in a battle. Excuse me, in battle royale. There's a high level of competition that's happening in Europe and uh, America. Uh, Counter Strike is interesting because one of the, my favorite players comes from Brazil and he plays on a very very high tier team full of Europeans. Um, so I'm starting to really wonder right now. Um, do you think in the future, now that we see the audiences that are growing in countries like India and in countries like China and countries like Russia, where are brick countries? Do you see top-tier talent, and I'm talking incredible top-tier talent emerging out of countries like India? Do you think one day we'll see an Indian top team? Well, here, of ears, well of here's the thing. Well, here's the thing. They have the... They have the same level of access. They have the same level of access. Now, what they need is essentially the same level of cultural acceptance into this idea mm. that esports can bring them, you know success in in whatever way it's it's culturally applicable so in in america in the usa what i can what i can say uh you know readily say about americans and united states citizens is they genuinely don't give a fuck they they go for what they believe in and they they do things with with a very like um i'm number one gusto right they're like yes we can win this versus you know, um, in places where esports are really popular, like Japan or South Korea, it's always been really popular there, and it's like a, a big cultural thing. Yeah, right? Starcraft that, that, has always that's, been that's big. regular. So it's like culturally accepted that esports is part of the culture. It, it's 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 something that obviously, obviously, this is something where people you know pop off and and they make tons of money, and it's just like you know, there's a certain level of uh, I guess you know bragging rights and 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 celebrity fame. Yeah. There's a certain level of fame that comes with, with being an esports player. Now, I think that's starting to happen or recently started to happen in the United States. But again, United States is a different story. We do, we do what we want to do. We, fo we follow who we, we want to follow. Break, we, we, we break molds. We break molds, you, we break molds but the, the countries that you're talking about, Western Europe, and you're probably talking specifically about Scandinavian countries like Netherlands. You're talking about Sweden. Talking France. I'm talking yeah, yeah. So those countries, um, I think they're depending on the culture because this is really a cultural question it's like where is esports going to be popular i think esports is going to be popular where it's culturally hot you know like this is this is the this is the wave right yeah um is it going to be hot in, in you india know, every, in india the, where, where i mean it's popping in china but like yeah. china's always had just a larger economic footprint you know right so uh, i think video games have to be part of your culture before man and i'm not saying if for for let, let, let's be honest with ourselves, man. There's there's tons of countries where we grew up with video games, right? Of course, Japanese yeah, yeah. Japanese kids grew up with video games. South Koreans grew up. D look, I don't know the numbers. I'm pretty sure everyone right now growing up grows up with games, right? But do they grow up with the same level of cultural acceptance? Same level of like video games or this? It's fun. This is what the we do. Ability of it. I'm not sure if if you go to you know a country like. Uh, Senegal or Cameroon or you go to Azerbaijan or you go to Dagestan are they are the kids are the Playing kids scrapping games. like yeah. in real life like are they trying to train for the UFC like Khabib 
or are they playing video games? You know, like, mom, I'm going to be a professional video game or like, I can make money off this. I'm going to stream myself playing Twitch. I'm sure in some of those communities, if you said, hey, I'm streaming myself playing video games, the community would look at you like, why? True, true. Yeah, so who's watching? And I just want to run through some numbers with you guys. A young digital and global audience, um, Asia's online population dwarfs other regions by far, right? So it looks like, they didn't even give the specific numbers here, but 79% of viewers are under 35 years old. So according to Goldman Sachs, this is a relatively recent phenomenon, it seems like. And a lot of the people who are watching esports as a whole are relatively young. So they're under 35 years, 79%. That's almost 80% of the people watching esports are under 35 years old. The audience on YouTube and Twitch is larger than HBO, Netflix, and ESPN combined. So HBO, Netflix, and ESPN, some of the biggest uh, providers of entertainment, right? Cable entertainment and on-streaming, on-demand entertainment. The audience is larger on YouTube and Twitch than it is on these services. And what do you, what do you think about, Chris? What do you think about this? The audience on YouTube and Twitch is larger than HBO, Netflix, and ESPN combined for esports. I mean... That that well, first off, HBO does HBO even do esports? No, 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 just the audience. This is they're talking in general. Wait, yeah, no, wait, wait. In general, of of I don't, I, I don't okay. even believe to, this, man. To, to confirm, to confirm what was said, we're talking the amount of people who watch Game of Thrones, the people who watched fucking. Can you watch? Can you watch esports on Netflix? You can't watch uh, esports, esports on Netflix. Content, but like, you can't watch it. So they're saying that the audience on YouTube and Twitch is larger than HBO, Netflix, and ESPN combined. Is, is that even valid? I mean, I could believe it, but that's based on sheerly the, the influence of countries how many like people, India how, and what's China. The, what's the audience on, on just general on Twitch? Well, what, do you, what do you mean the audience of Twitch? Like, in terms of people who are watching? Because you can have other types of content on, on Twitch. Just... Twitch has between 2.2 and 3.2 million monthly broadcasters. Broadcasters. That's people who are streaming. I, that's not even people who are watching. Yeah, so that's interesting because that's a shit ton of you know broadcasters. That's a lot. Yeah, actually. so you gotta imagine the top guys are what getting streamed between. Twitch has more than 15 million daily active users. That's daily. Daily. 355 million. billion minutes watched. 124 million total clips. I think that's the that's thirty the, million raised for charity. That's insane. I think I think the biggest plot point one you million just people watched a single event. How many minutes are people watching? Because more people one are one million watching. people watched a single event. Two hundred forty-five thousand viewers simultaneously watched a single channel. Jesus. Two hundred forty-five what? Two hundred forty-five thousand viewers simultaneously watched a single channel. I mean, for example, I can I can one hundred percent tell you right now as we speak. And, and right here, one hundred and eleven thousand people right now are watching Evo. So um, and I'm going to give you specific or, or more accurate numbers because Twitch has a whole bunch of other stuff besides esports. But 21.3% of Twitch viewing is esports. So a fifth. And if we extrapolate that, a fifth for 15 well, million. Wait, 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 wait. So 3 million people daily are watching esports. 3 million people daily are watching esports content just on Twitch alone, not including YouTube. And I didn't know that I YouTube... Need, I need... I, see, here's the thing. Do they distinguish esports from video games well, because, I don't know because that that's okay so you have the no I watch, esports I watch generally a, I just watch esports, a, general. A esports generally pick up game you know i could watch a pickup game but is that 
the NBA, you know? Right, right. No, we're talking about esports generally right now. Um, um, and I didn't know that YouTube was such a big esports like you know Streamer? broadcaster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they have their own streaming platforms. Right now, we're. I really think the biggest point that Twitch has over everybody else is how many people are watching for how long. So because a lot of people, yeah, are, the platforms are Twitch and YouTube in the U.S. and in Asia, they're watching via Douyu and Huya. Yeah, Huya. Yeah. Okay. Um, Amount of time users spend daily on the Chinese live streaming platform Huya. 98 minutes, 98 355, minutes. An and this is outdated, by the way, this is in 2018, so 355 billion total number of minutes watched on Twitch in 2017, up 22% year over year, that's insane, that's, this is two-year-old data, guy, this two, 355 billion is two-year-old data, yeah, lucrative monetization opportunities arising as a result, like traditional sports, media rights will eventually become the largest sports. Media rights. Media, exactly. Broadcast because here's rights. the thing, I just brought this up. Ninja uh, just got revenue. bought. Ninja just got bought from Twitch by Mixer. Yeah, they I don't even know what Mixer media is. Rights. It's, a, it's, it's the uh, title to Spotify uh, for Switch. Uh, like for, traditional for, sports, media rights will eventually become the largest source of esports revenue followed by sponsorships. So broadcasting rights... And then sponsorships, the the classic, the, the combo, the, the tag how, how you yeah, get your ad money, how you get the money, right? Yeah, Jesus. The, so I'm looking at esports revenue streams 2017, and then revenue streams in 2022. So right now in 2017, the majority of it was coming from sponsorships and advertising. Media rights comprised 14 percent. By 2022, the estimate is 40 percent will come from media rights. 35% will come from sponsorship. So they see media rights as the largest revenue opportunity in 2022. And who do you think, in your opinion, Chris, stands in a position to garner or take advantage of that market share in terms of media rights? The traditional ESPN. ESPN? ESPN, by, by far. Unless, unless if some... See, here's the thing. ESPN already has all the facilities necessary to transition to creating a completely, like targeted esports like community you know they already have the infrastructure they already have the broadcasting structure if they wanted to they could buy in right now real cheap and then grow it up to what the numbers are already trending towards you know well it seems like espn plus is already doing things in the esports league yeah they, they acquired league of legends content um overwatch i think activision it's just activision signed a 20 or two-year 90 million deal with twitch to distribute overwatch league in, yeah, overwatch in north league. america yeah that's the insane, OWL. man. And the player earnings, you know, uh, you we just discussed Fortnite. Burga just won three million, three point six million in a single tournament. Growing prize pools are a key factor in audience growth. A mm -hmm. hundred million year one Fortnite tournament prize pool. So I'm sh I'm sure that was divvied up amongst multiple players yeah. and stuff. But one million monthly income of Ninja, an online personality. This was in 2018. Month, I keep having to repeat this. This this numbers has def have definitely grown. 23 million. So, Jesus Christ, bro. 23 million 2017 Dota 2 international prize pool. 19 million Counter Strike Global Offensive. Mm -hmm. Holy. 18 million Daytona 500. Wimbledon 16 million. Mm -hmm. Women's and men's singles. League of Legends is 12 million. So right under. Wimbledon. Yeah. And the Masters is 11 million. The Masters is a PGA or not PGA. Is it PGA? Yeah, it's yeah, PGA. It's PGA professional yeah. Golf. Yeah, yeah. So, she, so PGA, the Masters. Yeah. So golf is dwarfed by things like Dota, doubled actually by things like Dota and Counter-Strike. 
everybody in the game right now is focused right here, but like the real talk is is what's the next game? What's the right. next addictive thing? And I think we're limited by technology right I now. I think we're limited by technology and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess here and I think or it would be traditional sports combined with esports in a way that you can you can literally uh, like Interact. some sort of yeah some sort of virtual reality type of stuff. Wait, wait, the, the technology is still a little far off for that. The, it came a little too early, which has soured everybody's like cultural uh, acceptance of it. But I do believe that we may be approaching Ready Player One closer. And this this is this might be dystopic talk, but when you really think about it, this like, is, this is this is a different. This is another podcast. We already we went into some uh, amazing stuff on this podcast. I really enjoy this podcast, Chris. You're definitely really knowledgeable about this topic, man. Um, I'm glad I could talk to you about this. Absolutely, um, absolutely. The and we definitely would. I would love to talk about a Ready Player One scenario in the future because I saw the movie. I don't know. Did you read the book? I've read the book. I've seen the movie. Okay, okay. Then what did you think about the movie versus the book? Uh, I like the book. The right. movie is just. It's good. I liked it. It was good. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 not bad. That's for sure. But anyway, back back to esports, man. Back to this just growing industry. Evo, fighting games, um, just just the overall esports economy. W- w- do you have any you know future predictions about where this this is going? The future of Evo specifically. The future of Evo? Yeah. Here's the thing. I I see a decline. Okay. I I personally see a decline until uh for example, so Riot is making Riot the producers of League of Legends, which is the large multiplayer online battle arena they're making a f- accessible fighting game you're gonna see a lot more injection of accessibility it's games like smash bros games like this new league of legends fighting game games that are easy to play more people can get in because either more players start playing and more players start interacting outside of major tournaments or the community is going to start shrinking and the last thing you want for any economy is to shrink and the fighting game community is a perfect example of something that has always tr- like teetered on the edge of greatness and despair. So either we see the growth of esports completely taking over, and I mean completely, absolutely eliminating everything that was historically fundamental to the esports community, uh, to the FGC community, or we see uh, a decline. And who, who would be the biggest winner? Who is the biggest winner at Evo besides, you know, the gamers that bring home some The sponsors. The sponsors. Sponsors, sponsors, definitely. Sony sponsored this entire thing. It's Evo brought to you by PS4. That's what the tagline is. Evo brought to you by PS4. Uh, The sponsors are really winning because like any, any, it's not NASCAR that's winning. It's the sponsors who win. NASCAR is just the officiating body of it. Right. So. Kellogg's. It's it, Evo is the officiating body that's trying. It's the little engine that's trying to survive, and it ain't surviving without no coal. So the coal suppliers, they're winning. So Hitbox is winning. Sony's winning. SNK is winning. Capcom is by definition winning. But like, what is winning? What is the definition to win? Is it winning from the audience perspective? Is it winning from an economics perspective? Because you can uh, win. I guess you can win in multiple ways, right? Yeah. As the audience, the, the industry is only going to grow. Uh, the more opportunities for you to consume this type of media is going to grow. And I, I feel like as the audience, you stand nothing to lose, right? Yeah. As, well, here's the thing. If your game is... So perfect example, perfect historical recent example. Capcom has been winning as a company. 
They've made great games outside of the fighting game community, but let's not forget, Capcom got its start with games like Street Fighter, with games like Mega Man, like these classic arcade 90s era games that built them up, but times have changed. Games like Devil May Cry, games like Resident Evil, games like Monster Hunter have been their large breadwinners, whereas games like Street Fighter has been consistently making them lose money because they have not been doing the things in terms of the audience perspective, in terms of the people who are watching, Capcom has not been respectfully addressing their fighting game division. Games like Street Fighter V are not what players have been wanting. Games like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, a commercial flop for Capcom, has not managed to gain the acceptance of the community. And this community only survives, I mean, these games only survive with the support of the community. If you do not win the community, you do not win, you, you will not win. You will have, your, your game will flop. Right. So when you say a victory in the name of, a victory in the name of the audience is they get what they want. But a victory in the name of Capcom is did they push this many units? Are they getting this many retweets? Are they, are they, if they just check off the boxes, then yes, Capcom is winning. But in the terms of the audience, they feel like they're losing. And when the audience loses, ultimately speaking, when the community loses, the company loses. Got because it. without a community, there's nobody to sell to. And the real question is, is, even though they see the numbers being checked off, well, this means we're winning. This means we're winning. This means we're winning. Right. Vanity metrics. Yeah, vanity metrics. In time, Capcom will not be able to sustain a, a growing decline. Right now, they used to be the marquee game that ends Evo. That was the big thing. In fighting games, Street Fighter always came last. Street Fighter was the last thing. It was the it was cortisol. A headlining you went, last event. Was, yeah, you went to sleep. It was the main event of the evening. It was Connor versus Khabib. Right. Now it's the second thing. I'm watching the finals for Street Fighter right now as we speak. And it is only and three o'clock. And right now, what is the headlining event? Smash Brothers. That's Nintendo nuts. is winning right now. Nintendo okay. is winning. And Nintendo doesn't even care. Because it, no it, it, it adheres to the community. And yep. the community is like... The community speaks and they're saying Smash Brothers is this game. Yes. This is this year's game. Yes. This is That's this amazing. Year's game. This this podcast has definitely gone on longer than you know like Expected. I intended, but um, I hope you guys, you know, learned some stuff I definitely did on this podcast. I really had a fun time making this. Um, you guys could definitely expect more esports episodes from us. Um, we're gonna try to get some guests on for you guys, some you know, um, some gamers, hopefully, some guys in the trenches in, in esports, whether that's Dota or Smash Bros or Street Fighter. Hopefully, we could get some you know guys who are doing some cool stuff as well in the esports community. We'd love to have some you know someone. If you if you're listening to this right now and, you, and that's you, definitely hit us up. And if you want to talk to us about what our opinions are on certain X Y, uh, if you want to get some more metric based stuff, you can always reach out to Z at Z Trapamoto. I do can, not want to give anyone spreadsheets or PDFs. <laughs> infographics start start chopping up infographics motherfuckers like no yo. just like fucking tweet somebody tweets at you what do you think the numbers are gonna be here and just yeah. see some numbers oh or yeah if you want to just talk to me about if you want to just shoot the shit about where i think fucking this whole situation is gonna go you can always hit me up at it's me chris wong i'm most active on instagram so if you want to hit me up there you can get me there but you, i mean don't hit me up on facebook don't just don't do it but i have one but i i will not answer you I, I just won't. I'm just going to be honest with you. 
don't hit me up or, on Facebook. Or, or, just, or yeah. just hit me up on Twitter. Twitter Twitter's, yeah. Twitter's where it goes down. Twitter and Instagram is where it goes down. It's me, Chris Wong. It's your boy, Chris Wong. I'm joined here by Z Trapamoto, a.k.a. Z Gabor, is a.k.a. Twitter that where dude it goes down? What about, what about our uh, YouTube channel? Damn, this should have been recorded on it with a camera. Oh yeah, we got one of those too. Uh, if you want to see us on YouTube, we got some we great put, episodes put, over can there. Can we put a straight up audio file on YouTube? Yeah, and then we just put our logo. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, works too. It's not, it's not that hard. You can Damn, catch us on we YouTube as well. Cameras. Block Party, Block Party Podcast. You can always find us on Instagram, Block Party Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Block Party Podcast. Podcast. And it's all unified it now. It's all unified. Block Party Podcast. Guys, uh, this has been the Block Party Podcast. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your patronage and signing out.